0: Thank you for tuning in to the RPC Sermon Series podcast. You're about to hear a live sermon which was recorded at our 11 a.m. contemporary service. We are thrilled to share it with you. Thank you for listening.
1: The Death of Lazarus. Hear the Word of God for the people of God. Now a certain man was ill, Lazarus of Bethany. The village of Mary, I'm sorry, the village of Mary and her sister Martha. Mary was the one who anointed the Lord with perfume and wiped his feet with her hair. Her brother, her brother Lazarus was ill, so the sisters sent a message to Jesus.
0: Lord, he whom you love is ill.
1: But when Jesus heard it, he said,
2: This illness does not lead to death. Rather, it's for God's glory, so that the Son of God may be glorified through it.
1: Accordingly, though Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus, after having heard that Lazarus was ill, he stayed two days longer in the place where he was. Then after this, he said to his disciples,
2: Let's go to Judea again.
1: The disciples said to him,
0: Rabbi, the Jews were just now trying to stone you, and are you going there again?
1: Jesus answered,
2: Are there not twelve hours of daylight? Those who walk during the day do not stumble For your sake, I am glad I was not there, so that you may believe. But let us go to him.
1: Thomas, who was called the twin, said to his fellow disciples,
2: Let us also go, that
0: we may die with him.
1: When Jesus arrived, he found that Lazarus had already been in the tomb four days. Now, Bethany was near Jerusalem, some two miles away, and many of the Jews had come to Martha and Mary to console them about their brother. When Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went to him. She went and met him. While Mary stayed at home, Martha said to Jesus,
0: Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. But even now, I know that God will give you whatever you ask of him.
1: Jesus said to her,
0: Your brother will rise again. I know that he
2: will rise again in the resurrection on the last day. I am the resurrection and the life. Those who believe in me, even though they die, will live. And everyone who lives and believes in me will never die. Do you believe this? Yes,
0: Lord. I believe that you are the Messiah, the Son of God, the one coming into
1: the world. When she said this, When she had said this, she went back and called her sister Mary and told her privately.
0: The teacher is here and is calling for you.
1: And when she heard it, she got up quickly and went to him. Now Jesus had not yet come to the village, but this was still the place where Martha had met him. The Jews who were in her home consoling her saw Mary get up quickly and go out. They followed her because they thought that she was going to the tomb to weep there. When Mary came where Jesus was and saw him, she knelt at his feet and said to him,
0: Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died.
1: When Jesus saw her weeping and the Jews came with her also weeping, he was greatly disturbed in spirit and deeply moved.
0: Where have you laid him? Lord, come and see.
1: Jesus began to weep. So the Jews said,
0: See how he loved him? Could not he who opened the eyes of the blind man have kept this man from dying?
1: Then Jesus, again greatly disturbed, came to the tomb. It was a cave, and a stone was lying against it.
2: Take away the stone.
1: Martha, the sister of the dead man, said to him,
2: Lord,
0: already there is a stench because he has been dead for four days.
2: Didn't I tell you that if you believed, you would see the glory of God?
1: So they took away the stone, and Jesus looked upward and said,
2: Father, I thank you for having heard me. I know that you always hear me, but I have said this for the sake of the crowd standing here so that they may believe that you sent me.
1: When he said this, he cried with a loud voice,
2: Lazarus, come out.
1: The dead man came out, his feet and hands bound with strips of cloth and his face wrapped in a cloth. Jesus said to them,
2: Unbind him and let him go.
1: Many of the Jews, therefore, who had come with Mary and had seen what Jesus did now believed in him.
3: Let us join together in prayer. And now may the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, our strength and our redeemer. May your word be more than just words to us and we more than only hearers, but doers and believers. In Christ's name, amen. Amen. Now, it may be a surprise to you, it may not be a surprise to you, it was to me, but an increasingly popular trend is the use of cemeteries, the use of of graveyards as a place for folks to go to jog, to exercise. It Probably was a surprise to me because I don't jog. (laughs) That's probably not a surprise to you. And yet, I guess it really shouldn't be a surprise, for it's sort of a return to the past, really. For before the advent of public parks and walking trails and belt lines and, and things like that, uh, cemeteries actually doubled as uh, places to do those kinds of things, places to have picnics even, and places to take your children uh, for them to play. Uh, in fact, as odd as it might sound, there's a movement afoot to market cemeteries now uh, as places to do those kinds of things, to attract more of the living to cemeteries. Edward, Edward Lowe of the Woodlawn Cemetery in the Bronx, New York, is trying to do just that. He says, as a matter of fact, it's a great way to get your name out there and to get people familiar with your property. That particular cemetery in that urban setting holds concerts and holiday tree lighting festivals. They host weddings and they uh, even sponsor flower pruning seminars. And recently they sponsored what they called a 5K grave run right there in the cemetery. Unless you worry about that too much, the uh, uh, the winner received two complimentary burial pr- plots. They didn't say anything in the article I read about whether you had to use the plots right then uh, or not, but it was quite a prize, I guess. But all that aside, have have you ever visited a cemetery just to walk around? Just to look around and and look at the uh, at the gravestones, at the epitaphs that are there. It, maybe it's a occupational hazard. I don't know, but I do that from time to time. I like to do it, just to read the the markers, to think about the lives that are uh, that are there, that of the people that that are entombed there. The lives they represent, actual epitaphs that that say things like i was hoping for a pyramid <laughs> real tombstones gravestones or here lies john yeast pardon me for not rising <laughs> actual stones Or, this is a good one. Ma loves pa. Pa loves women. Ma caught pa with two in swimming. Here lies pa. She put that on the gravestone. And a personal favorite of mine I told you I was sick. I think I knew that person, actually. We laugh at those, but, but some are thought-provoking, like the one that reads, here lies an atheist, all dressed up and no place to go. Weird. Or the actual marking on the grave for a long time Talk show host, Merv Griffin, his, his family must have had a great sense of humor. I will not be right back after this message. <laughs> it's his actual stone. Really got to wonder about what the families of these folks were thinking, what they wanted to communicate to generations and generations with these epitaphs and these markers in these cemeteries. but. Even though there's a light side to cemeteries, there's also another side to cemeteries. There's the cemetery filled with the the bodies of innocents killed by drivers under the influence. One every 16 minutes in our country. There's the grave and marker for the gunshot victim Maybe be shot in her own school, or his church, or synagogue, or mosque, or in their daily workplace. They're the cemeteries for the victims of disease and neglect and physical turmoil of all types. Nothing is certain except death and taxes, we say most of us nod our heads in agreement. Maybe the scripture you just heard so well read a moment ago is about that. Maybe it's about the, the certainty of death. Maybe it's about physical death. And But maybe it's not only about physical death, for we've all encountered folks whose lives have become sort of a living death, folks who are effectively dead people walking, folks who for one reason or another have, have truly given up on living, and maybe the Scripture is about that as well, about death's stranglehold on all of our lives, about how We're resigned to death in one way or another about death's oldest trick, about how it seduces us into accepting it, into really believing that nothing is certain except death. In the gospel story today, nobody understands that Jesus is the life giver. The disciples don't get it. Their life experience tells them to be afraid. If they had been at Rutledge this past week, the theme would have been perfect for them. For they're afraid. When Jesus wants to go to be with his grieving friends, they won't let him because they're afraid that those there will stone him. Thomas says, let's all go and die with him there. And some other friends of Lazarus' family are so seduced by the power of death that when Jesus finally does arrive in Bethany, they murmur, Could not he who opened the eyes of the blind man have kept this man from dying? Even Martha, Lazarus' own sister, thinks that way. She, she blurts out her own misunderstandings. She says, Oh, sure. I know that he will rise again in the resurrection on the last day. Everyone in the story just about, seems to think that nothing is certain except death. How can we blame them? For that's pretty much where we are most of the time, isn't it? We look at the world and the world's issues and and we think that they're somehow beyond God's reach very often. After all, there's some politicians that, that want us to believe that, we, that if we're not exactly lockstep with them, that we need to leave. North Korea's leaders simply smile, shake hands, and, and then continue to toy with us regarding their nuclear armaments and stockpiles. Half of the world's population live on less than $2 a day, the resolution of affordable health care for all people doesn't seem likely in our country in spite of the fact that both political parties want us to believe that only they and they alone can solve it and certainly not the two of them together. More families are increasingly plagued by abuse and neglect and distrust and failing marriages. There's more violence, less education, more distrust of institutions, and more and more of us are finding ourselves believing that nothing is certain except for death. And quite to the astonishment of those folks and us, Jesus does an amazing thing. He raises Lazarus from the dead. But even as incredible as that is, it's important to note that the author of this gospel takes 45 verses to describe this scene, but only two verses. Two verses to tell us about the actual raising of Lazarus. And he doesn't tell us anything about the reaction of the people. And therefore, maybe even likely, what must really count here, what this author must really want us to get across is not the raising of Lazarus, although that's important. But the really, but the I am talk, the meaning of the congregation and the conversation regarding life in the present moment. Now, I realize that I've got to go back a while, and some of you may not even remember this, but some of you may remember the old style of typing paper, the old onion skin, very thin style of typing paper that we used to type on when we had typewriters. Some of you don't even remember typewriters, I get that. It was very thin paper that you could, if you, if you wrote on it with fountain pen or, or marker, you could see it from the other side. And, and it's sort of like that with this story. This story is, is written on that kind of paper, sort of. As we read it, we become aware that something else is visible through the paper. On the surface is the character and the place and the chronology and the conversation There's the world and everything in it that's resigned to death, but bleeding through from the other side is something deeper, a more profound truth, A truth that the resurrection of Lazarus is not only a miracle, but it's a sign, a sign that apart from God, the world really might be a cemetery, the world really might be about death the world really might be a place where death is certain, but barely visible, barely bleeding through from the other side is the deeper truth that the one who names himself the resurrection and the life really does have the final word. Many years ago, I went with an elder of the church that I was serving at the time to take at home communion. That's where a minister and an elder takes communion to someone who's not able to get to church to celebrate communion. Takes communion to them wherever they are. We went to take communion to this person who was in a memory care facility because they were suffering from what we now call Alzheimer's disease. We didn't then. And as usual This person, whose name was Flynn, didn't recognize us. He didn't remember that he was a member of our congregation. He didn't know where he was. He didn't know who he was, as far as we could tell. It was a terribly sad situation. Well, the elder that went with me and and Flynn's daughter, who was there with us, and I had tried some initial conversation, but... But Flynn hadn't said anything at all during, during his visit. But when I came to the words of the supper, and when I said that on the night of his arrest, our Lord took bread and broke it, Flynn began to say the words with me, those very words. And it hit me square in the face that in a terrible way, I had already given him up to death i had given him up to the disease that had had already taken his life at as i had known it but god had not and his saying those words along with me reminded me that that god is not as easily resigned to the certainty of death as I sometimes am, as we might sometimes be. Back in April, which seems like so long ago, we celebrated Easter Sunday. We celebrated the resurrection and it was glorious and marvelous and couldn't have been a better celebration. And if the resurrection means anything, it means that at our earthly death, God will raise us up and give us, with Christ, the ultimate resurrection victory over death. But I don't think that's all there is to it. For I think a certain message of today's passage, of the raising of Lazarus, is the assurance over deathliness now? Right now. I think this passage claims that nothing remains outside the sphere of God's immediate transforming power right now. Martha and all the rest were carried away by the power of death that they missed it and I think sometimes we get carried away by all that's going on either in our world or in our lives or or even with death that's around us that we miss it too but the one who calls himself the I am offers us life right now I am the resurrection and the life. And it's the and the life that can make all the difference right now. Let us pray. Faithful God, in the midst of all that is around us and all that is us, may we be reminded that you bring us life right now. In Jesus' name,
0: amen. Thank you so much for listening to the RPC Sermon Series podcast. If you'd like more info about Roswell Presbyterian Church, check out our website at roswellpres.org.